We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. And welcome to Light Years. Andy Lou, just an absolutely gorgeous weekend in the Bay Area. Perfect spring weather. So what better way to celebrate it than discussing, are the Warriors tanking? <laughs> that, should be the, uh, that should be the caption for this podcast, actually. It's perfect. They look like a team that's absolutely given up on the season, which is, uh, which is unfortunate, man. I think... Uh, I don't know if people came into the season thinking they'd win the championship. Probably not, right? But tanking? I don't know if they are, but Sam, they're playing like they are. Like they're playing like a tanking team, I should say. The game on Friday night against Atlanta felt like a tanking team game. Now, Steph's been out. Jordan Poole played really well in Steph's absence, but like they can only go so long with Jordan Poole doing a Steph Curry impression. Like eventually reality is going to hit where he can't just replace Steph Curry. They're starting to, they're now one in six without Steph on the season, which is to be fair. When you look at the roster, they shouldn't be able to win a game without Steph. They have the worst roster in the NBA. If Steph doesn't play, it's last year all over again. But um, with that said, we don't know when Steph is coming back. He's out Monday against the Bulls, and then he's going to be reevaluated. And the more you hear quotes from Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, the more one has to wonder, are they purposely trying to extend this so they can tank and get a higher draft pick? Yeah, it feels that way, right? And you go back to Jordan Poole, you feel, it, it, it sounds, it, um, he's playing like the uh, pre-Steph version of Monte Ellis, right? Where he was trying to lead a team that just wasn't very good. Um, he's not very, like, he's not a, 
he's not leading your team to wins. That's not he's what not best playing. player on a playoff team. Good. That, on, that much yeah. we can all agree on. <laughs> um, it sucks. I th- I think it's a um. I think the Niners, the parallel with the Niners is a good one because I think when the when the Niners suck, which is every other year because Jimmy G can't stay healthy, um, they still win games and they still play hard. They look like they're having fun, right? Like those guys look like they want to be there, um, which is kind of Steve Kerr's quote. That's kind of what he was talking about when Drew Schiller aggregated it and all of that happened, right? That's kind of what he means. Like you want guys to still be happy and be there. I don't know if that's the case. No, no I truly don't know. I'm not saying that it's not the case, but it fe- it's, it's only going to last so long. When you lose that much, it's only not, not everyone is going to be happy. Like Eric Pascal right now, for example, is not playing. I think he's happy. Like last year, the team was this bad too. And he was averaging like 25 points a game, right? <laughs> At least he was playing. Draymond um, Green looked, well, let's just say the effort, the effort level isn't up to what we know he's capable of the last couple of games. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of resonating. And then you throw in the fact that you have a young team and it's not particularly talented. Like, um, there's a lot of questions to be asked about the Warriors' ability to evaluate and develop talent. And we've been talking about it all year, probably longer than most people. But it's just kind of, uh, you know, you start wondering, do they even want Steph to come back? I don't know. Steve Kerr has said that he thinks he's close and that they have a run in them when he comes back. Bob Myers did say to the media he hopes – he thinks they can make the play in, which was just, it's lowering the expectation so much, but they're both kind of, at that they point. both basically are saying, you know, Hey, Steph comes back. We've got to run in us, but it is what it is. We're trying to develop and not bottom out at the same time. So I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. I guess we got to see what happens when Steph comes back, how long he's going to be out. It, it's just something doesn't smell right. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're right though. I mean, they'll they'll be fine once he comes back. As in, like they'll win the games that they should win. Like they would have beaten the Hawks, maybe probably they would have they would beat the Bulls without him. Who knows what happens tomorrow night, right? Without Steph, but um, I think all that's true. I think it's it's the same old stuff. If Steph comes back, like they'll be in the playing game. They'll they'll play. They'll be in the playoffs. And in one game, you know, Steph and Draymond will probably win. Maybe um, who knows with the season, but. Uh, it's not about that, right? It's more about, and we'll get to this throughout the, the podcast here, is um, it's about the way that the other players are getting developed. That's kind of the issue now. It's not really Steph or, or really, I mean, honestly, like even Drayvon, like we know who he is now. He is who he is. He's a still a special defensive player. He's atrocious on offense. Like he is who he is, right? But he, you still need him out there. A high IQ passer, no scoring. So, yeah. so yeah. The, all that is fine. It's just like, you know, how, how is Jordan Poole and, and James Wiseman really going to be developed the rest of the season? So they put themselves in this situation. They they kind of talked about it all season long. Now that it isn't working, I'm curious to see how they're actually going to go about changing things. That is that is the most interesting part. They've, they've constantly said that's not what this season's about. Yeah, the season's about yeah. developing. But James Wiseman has kind of regressed. Uh, Jordan Poole, it took going to the G League bubble for us to finally see him play at a level that we think he, he we thought he was capable of. I mean, there's a lot of evaluation to be done. I want to move this forward, though. Um, we talked about this on the trade deadline pod and post-Sacramento Kings one. But Kelly Oubre was pretty candid in not wanting to take free agency questions. And, you know, he posted on social uh, kind of a felt like a sub 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 gram, whatever you want to call it about like people criticizing him, uh, warrior fans criticizing him or something. I missed that. Interesting. Um, 
I'm glad I missed doesn't it. Seem, he doesn't seem too happy at the moment. Doesn't sound like he wants to take the bench roll. Bob Myers said he liked it. He says, I don't want anyone who's comfortable taking a bench roll, basically, which is true. I didn't actually think that Ubre's response was that bad. What do you want him to say? You know, ah, oh, yeah, dude, totally happy playing 15 minutes a game and chilling on the bench. Like, no one's going to say that. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that they didn't trade him and we now have reasons to believe he wants a big contract and free agency. It's going to be interesting to see if they can keep him. Yeah. I guess him wanting one and him getting one is going to be a different story. Right. So what, what does a big contract mean? Like 20 million? I think he probably gets 20 million. Somebody probably I pays him 20 so. million. One I, team, the Sacramento Kings will pay him 20 million. You know what I mean? They'll find a way, maybe 25 million, but I, 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 th- I think that's just Kelly Oubre, right? Like, he seems like just that type of person. Like, that's who kind of NBA players are nowadays. Like, a lot of NBA players are like that. You look at De'Aaron Fox and the stuff that he was saying with our guy friend of the show, Amino Hassan, a couple months ago. Like, a lot of these players are just, like, online and just whiny all the time. I mean, look at KD, <laughs> right? Like, just primo example of just kind of a guy that's KD's just, hilarious. So right? His, his just, online presence is just king troll. It's great. Yeah. Well, I think he's actually turned. Like, he used to be actually, I didn't, like, in my opinion, I think he used to actually be angry like online, but now he's just kind of turned to being a troll, which is better off for him. I think Kelly Oubre now is just, he's, he's sensitive, obviously. Um, he's a sensitive guy and he should just not be online. But I, I think all that's fine, Sam. I don't, I don't know. Like, I think uh, none of that stuff kind of matters until the end of the season when they put a contract in front of him. Cause I don't know. You think the Warriors are actually going to pay him 15 million a year across four years? Like, I don't know. Maybe they just don't because of the tax bill. Like maybe that's they, a, that's the thing. So I think that, I don't think this has anything to do with it though. I think there's a very good, I think if they can keep him at about the same salary as now, they'll be very happy. I think they're, you never know. I just, I don't know who the team is who's going to offer Kelly Oubre 25 a year. Like I have a very hard time seeing that exist when everyone's trying to overpay shooting. And 25 he's not is really, nuts. Yeah. He's not really a shooter. Everyone wants, let's put it this way. If Kelly Oubre was a guy who shot 40% from three or averaged four assists or something like that, I think he would get that money immediately. Yeah. But he's not, he's kind of just, he's a slasher. He plays good defense, not really a passer, not really a shooter. Those guys don't really get paid a lot. Like he's not a playmaker, you know, like I, I, I just, I think the, the warrior gamble here is that like, he's not going to get any offers in free agency that they can't match. You know, they could have traded him for a player making the same amount of money. That wouldn't but, change their tax bill for next year. You know, like they seemed interested in doing that. Well, I guess, but even if they match, it doesn't mean that Kelly Ray has to come back and get that money though. Right. Like it's not, like it's, not he's, like he's a restricted free agent. He's unrestricted. Yeah. He has uh exactly. He does, you know, he could decide to take less to go play. Um, Which is insane. Right. In, in Sacramento, if he thinks he can start there and that matters to him, for example. But you like, never know. Think about think about how that bad that looks on the Warriors though. Like that's why I bring that yeah. up. Like, think about how poorly that reflects on your your. Well, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that he's taking less money. But yeah, <laughs> I also but don't I, know that he'd take a discount to stay. Uh, I agree. I don't think so either. This is not Andre Iguodala. Like, how many times do I have to say it? This is not Andre, and he shouldn't be. Like, I'm not. I don't think I'm mad at Uber here or anything. I don't think the. I don't know if the Warriors did anything wrong here though. Like with what Steve Kerr said. Now Steve Kerr, I think I can always blame. Like him saying coming out here and talking about he should be on the bench is like, all right, like what are we doing here? Like Uber's not 29 years old and won a championship in his career, right? He's not even been an All Star. Let's be he's honest. Also, um, he's also proven he's, nothing. He's also not dumb. He knows <laughs> if Clay comes back next year, he's starting. 
he probably is aware that Wiggins makes a ton of money and probably starts over him. Like, what do you want? You know, like he's not a, it's not like he hasn't thought about these scenarios. I, I just don't see the point in saying it. Yeah. I think that's the biggest part. Bob Myers quote was nice though. I think that was, that's a fair point to say, Hey, um, you would want him to think like that. You want Kelly Oubre to think like that. I think, I think like, Kelly Oubre's comparison is Jeremy Grant, but Jeremy Grant has such a better handle. And it's not even like Jeremy Grant has a great handle, right? Like, it's not even that he has an incredible handle, but he can get to the rim so much better. I think Jeremy Grant's better. also a better defender. But, um, yeah, better at everything, really. <laughs> but, like, that's kind of the, the comp, right? Like, go to another team, be the first or second option offensively, and just kind of flourish, get paid a lot of money. But then lose. I mean, like, Detroit's a freaking mess. So, I don't know. Do you think Kelly Oubre cares about that? We don't know. I don't know. We don't know. We should. This is a good point to point out. If they lose him, they lose that salary slot. It's not like they can like, okay, you know, now we mil. have fifth now we have 15 million to go sign right. a different player. If that was the case, I'd be like, you know what? If it works out with Ubre, that's great. If not, let's look at these options. But that's not how it works. So that's where they really run the risk. If I had to guess, they know what they're willing to pay him this summer. And they made a decision that like, they think they can get him at that price. And if not, that they're just going to save the money. I think, I think they probably had those conversations because if they, if it was really just about keeping the spot for the sake of the spot, they would have traded him for a lesser player just to like have the certainty. Yeah. I mean, I think like the guy that they probably wouldn't was Bogdan, right? Like that's the, the best option. He's a better fit and he's cost, not cost control, but he's locked into the next two years after this. Yeah, you don't year. have to worry about his contract for three years. Yeah. So. Actually three years. Sorry. Yeah. Three mm-hmm. years after this year. Like that would have been the one, but I'm, I'm assuming that Atlanta wanted multiple first or something like that. I don't know. And but that's they obviously like, didn't do it. Yeah. I think the Warriors were like, we're giving you a get out of a contract free card. Yep. And you want picks like he's not that nice. You know? Yeah, and and I think like that was kind of the I don't know. By the way, are, yeah, I was gonna say shout out our guy Bogdan struggling because Trey Young doesn't know how to pass the ball. Well, Trey Young is a classic. I pass the ball when I don't when I when the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth option of shooting isn't there. So I'll finally pass the ball. Right. Um, someone I, uh, someone once said to me, and this quote will always stick in my mind. Do you think Trey Young would pass the ball if assists weren't a recorded stat? Um, and, and is a person who, 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 you know, is pretty informed. So I was just, I was just dying at that because, uh, now I can't get it out of my head every time I watch him, you know, passes only if the guy's going to shoot the ball from the past. There's never like the pass to lead to something like we see with Steph. Yeah. I think, I think James Harden is like the in-between. I think like James Harden is a superb passer, but he has that little bit in him too, but he is incredible vision. Um, I think the frustration with the Warriors at the trade deadline too, to go back a little bit before we move on is, uh, I don't know, like I, I kind of don't know what they were supposed to do, Sam. They're kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place. Like I, don't, I just don't know what they were supposed to do, um, especially given that they're going to keep Wiseman. They're going to keep the Minnesota pick. Like those aren't going anywhere. So if that's the case, they yeah. can't do anything. I, so I don't get that frustrated with that. Like they just can't do anything. There wasn't a home run play. We talked about it on the trade deadline pod, which you guys can all check out in the feed posted last Thursday. Um, Everything's pointing back to the summer. It's a, it's a, it's annoying from a fan perspective because I feel like all last season we were talking about, all right, let's just get to next year when clay gets back and they get the pick and they have options with the TPE and then clay buses, it's, you know, Achilles right before the season. So it's a little frustrating to have to play that same game, but that's kind of where we're at. 
You've heard us talking about it before, and we're back again to talk to you about hosting your own podcast here at Blue Wire. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. I don't know how many times Sam and I get um, people DMing us about how to start a podcast. So if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art. Q- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord and an e learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me or Sam or us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com slash join check out the description box for this episode to find out more that's bwhustle.com slash join look no one's perfect even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded the best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line so if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you there are options go to roman.com slash light years now with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. All right, let's get to that. We have some amazing listener questions. What I love about this is like half of these were stuff I was going to throw on the rundown and um, 
Yeah, man. We got a, we got a great listener base here. I'm going to start here with my guy, Keanu. Um, if Ubre leaves and the dubs don't end up getting the Minnesota pick, are we officially in crisis mode? Where do they go from there? Because that's what it's looking like. I actually don't think that's that's not, I don't think that's crisis mode. I, first of all, I think you don't get that Minnesota pick. That Minnesota pick now is unprotected next season. And as far as I'm concerned, I am going to say that Minnesota sucks until they prove me wrong. Right? I am not going to say that they're going to be a playoff team just because they add talent. Like, show me that you're a playoff team first. Right? As far as I'm it concerned, is the West. That, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you still have that. Kelly Oubre, as as far as like we talked about that salary slot, he's not that great of a player. You lose him. You can still use the 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 uh, taxpayer mid-level and get like a mediocre wing that's probably about the same, like 80, 75% of that player. And really, what all, at the end of the day, it's, it's Clay and Wiseman. Like, how does Clay come back? And is James Wiseman developed? Like, that's all. It's the same questions, regardless if you keep Oubre or if you get the Minnesota pick, right? Those same questions are there. So I, it's, the, it's the same story. Right. There. We do love to talk <laughs> about the margins, and I do think the margins matter, but the margins only matter if – your top guys are performing. And right now the only top guys performing is Steph Curry. Yeah. So um, yeah, I agree with you there. I would also say this, if the Wolves pick doesn't convey, I think you kind of have to trade it. Um, or you have to get a little more aggressive with trades uh, because you run the risk of Minnesota. They don't even need to be good. They just need to be not disgusting. You run the risk of the 2022 pick being like the ninth overall pick. And like, it's not like you can't get a player at nine. It's just like, it's far less appealing than having the fourth or fifth pick in this draft, right? Like fourth or fifth pick in this draft, we know you're getting a blue chip prospect. You're getting a Jonathan Kuminga. You're getting a Jalen Suggs, a Jalen Green. You're getting someone who is pretty attractive, who looks like they have all-star upside. Yeah. Ninth pick next year's draft, because really all it takes is Cap being healthy and motivated and a couple moves in the margins. And they're like, just your run-of-the-mill team outside of the playoffs, but not in the bottom, right? Then I, it's it's harder to – you just never know what you're going to get at 8 or 9, 10 in a draft. I just think you can't even wait till then. Like, and like, that's, yeah, that's also – that's the biggest point, yeah. Yeah, you just can't, man. Like, okay, maybe you can sell me on Wiseman being good in a few years and stuff still being good. Like, maybe. But you're going to pick another guy next year, right? Like not this year, but next year, then you got to wait like two more years for them to be gone. Unless that guy is KD. Like, unless you tell me Chet Holmgren is freaking Kevin Durant. Like, what are we doing here? Right. And that's like, maybe you get that guy. So I, you got to let that thing, you got to trade that thing. Like, I don't know, trade it for Bogdan. <laughs> no, but like, you got to Like that thing's got to go. I, it, I do think it, at minimum, Bob needs to get a little more aggressive. You yeah. know what I've, you know what I've thought about here? I got, I got a take for you. You know how um, I've loved to compare the Warriors to the San Francisco Giants, sometimes to uh, listeners' ire. Um, and fair enough. You know, it is what it is. Like comparing it to the Giants in the post-2014 uh, era, right, where they kind of got a little high on their own supply, thinking that they'd outsmarted the game. Um, and I think those, those similarities exist. I have, a, I have an uh, amendment to my theory. Oh, boy. The Warriors are afraid of becoming the San Francisco Giants. They are afraid that if they go all in on the wrong player and don't win a title, let, let me give you a scenario. Let's say they trade Wiseman and the Wolves pick for Pascal Siakam. Objectively, Siakam makes him better, right? Like he just is a better player than Correct. those. But you could easily see a world in which you never get over the top 
And then in a couple of years, everyone on that team is super old. And because you've emptied your quote unquote pipeline, you're now watching Wiseman be a superstar and Jalen Green be a superstar at age 23 in Toronto, while we have to watch 35 year old Clay and Draymond and like all this stuff. And like, then they have to go back into a rebuild cycle that ends up being lengthier. I think some of it is the, is arrogance, but some of it is fear of trading a guy and him turning into too good of a player. You know what I'm saying? Can, can I, I love that. Can I contrast it with another Bay area team? Yes. And this is this literally happened two days ago. The Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are pu- pushing their entire career in on, on one guy, on one quarterback, right? Matt entire Jones. career. <laughs> fuck off. Hey, fuck off. Um, but like that, that's, that's the move that I don't know if the Warriors should make the move. I, I don't know. Right. And you and I, we, we don't know. Like maybe, yes, maybe no. But like, the, yes, in the short term, I would rather watch Siakam than what I'm watching. But like, would I do, <laughs> I have the, do I have the balls to pull the trigger of like emptying it all? Like that, that's yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, like, if any exec could do it and not get fired, it'd be Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, right? And Kirk Lakeham, for sure, Kirk Lakeham. Like, if there were any any front office members that would make this push and move and it, watch it fail and not and not have their job on the line, it's probably these guys. Like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, these guys, if they pick Trey Lance, which you know, it could be Trey Lance, and he ends up just being like he just he just ends up Let's being just not a quarter. He's yeah. just a, he's a bust. Like he because he might be like the dude might be a bust. And, I don't know if they're going to get fired, Sam, but like those guys are like, they're going to be known as having, we traded three first round picks and a third for Trey Lance. Like they're going to be known. I as, think, I actually think they would get fired. And I think to your point, if Bob makes the wrong deal, he would not get fired immediately, but it would go the route of like contracts, probably not getting renewed. They do like the polite, like it's time. Bob wants to pursue something new, you know, like they, right. like, I can't see a contentious thing, but like, yeah, I, you make that kind of a huge move and it backfires. You're kind of counting your days until the yeah. owner decides it's time for someone new. You know, you, you that's a, that's a move that if you get it wrong, sets you back five years. If the Niners get their quarterback move oh, wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, we're probably looking at a new coach and GM in four years or something like that. Right. Yep. And, but it's like, I admire, I admire them for going all in. They're like, this is our, it's enough of this, like, we're going to be pragmatic. It's time to go for it. And the, and, and, and the other thing is, too, Kyle's kind of betting on himself. Kyle's yeah. saying, you give, me, you give me feels or Lance. You give me a guy that has Mahomes-esque physical traits, Josh Allen-esque physical traits, and I can turn him into freaking Josh Allen, right? Like, that's what he's thinking. Steve Kerr should be thinking the same thing. You give me James Wiseman, who has the physical traits of Anthony Davis, I will turn him into Anthony Davis, right? That's kind of like they're betting on themselves. We are not seeing that. That's the problem right now. And that's and that's the that's where it gets back to being a little gianty. Remember, they were like kind of they have a way of doing things, and they were betting that they could turn players contact hitters, baby, contact hitters. Yeah, and it's just like maybe you were underrating the talent part of the equation, and it wasn't your genius coaching. Maybe you just had like the best pitching staff in baseball for like four years there, like top to bottom, you know, maybe the Warriors just had a ton of talent and the scheme wasn't nearly as important as they think the coaching wasn't nearly as important as they think. Maybe they just had two of the 10 best players of all time. Um, maybe the second greatest shooter of all time, two of the best defensive Swiss army knives of all time. Like maybe you just had a lot of talent, man. Maybe, maybe you just had a lot of talent. Yeah, I think that I think that goes for the second half of the dynasty, right? Like I think the first two seasons of Curse, 
uh, career here was was definitely like, hey, your system's kind of ahead of the game. What you guys are doing are ahead of the game offensively and defensively. Right, but right. since then, like since then, like uh, we haven't seen anything that tells us like you guys are ahead of the game right now. Or you guys aren't even in the same curve as the game being played right now, I right? Mean, like the we first, haven't seen any of that. You do know the only time the Warriors have been top five and three-point attempts was Kerr's first two years at coach. Oh, yeah. Everyone caught up on the shooting and the Warriors haven't really adapted. Since then, they obviously have talent issues now, but if we want to take it a step further, just because you say you want to develop guys doesn't mean you actually know. Everyone says they want to be the Spurs. That does not mean you're Greg Popovich, you know? So let's move forward. I guess you answered the Ed Mauricio question, right? That, that we're trying to get to. So we don't uh, just, to want, just ask it anyway. Okay. All right. So um, can we just accept the reality that this core will never compete for a title again? I'm tired of hearing that Clay will fix things. Wiseman is a bust and the front office is a mess. It's over and now it's time to move on to the next chapter of Golden State Warriors basketball. Okay, I, great question from Ed Mauricio. I agree and I disagree. I think if anyone thinks Clay coming back off of two injuries and they can just run the core plus like spare parts, that's not competing for a title anymore. I don't I think Clay is probably in a different phase of his career when he comes back. And Draymond already is. Draymond's a phenomenal defender, but the offense isn't what it was in 2016. I think we all have to be honest, it's probably not going to be that going forward. Um, now, where I don't agree is Wiseman is a bust. He's objectively not a bust today. Bust, he's shown, if anything, it's frustrating because he's shown so much potential, but right. it doesn't feel like they're developing him correctly. You know, if anything, the question is, did they draft the right guy and do they know how to develop him? Not like, is he a bust? A bust is Hashim the beat. We all watched, we all watched the beat and we're like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's yeah. good. I don't know if he'll be good. Wiseman, I'm seeing that guy can be really good, but I don't, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um, so with regards to that, I think we need to be honest. The Warriors need an impact player to compete for a title to go with Steph Curry. Clay has to now be considered like a third, fourth option type of player. Uh, Draymond just does what Draymond does, but that's not like one of your top two players in terms of scoring load, right? So whether that's Wiseman, whether it's a Wolves pick or whether it's a trade, the Warriors do need to be honest and, you know, with themselves and be like, you know, we need to do something different to get back to the top. Yeah. I, I disagree on the part that it's time to move on to you ride this thing till it falls off. Like as, as much as, as much as I think the giants kind of um, messed around and got behind the times, like they rid it. They 2016, they were in the postseason, and they, they, if they had not a horrific bullpen that season, they would have won. Like they would have been in the NLCS. Um, and so you ride this thing with Steph Curry, who's, I mean, 18,000 times better than Buster Posey, right? Right. Like as great sure. as Buster is, but like Steph is just top 10 and ever. And I think you ride that thing until it falls. Like there's no other way to play it. Um, and so you ride those guys, but yes, I'm with you. Like the more you really think about it, the more the Minnesota pick has to be flipped and you wait till the off season to do that. Like, I don't know if you could do that at the trade deadline. So yeah. they have time. They have time. You wait for the off season. People are unhappy. You get more time to talk all that stuff. And I think uh, that pick has to go, but that pick has to go. Why is me? You can convince me though, Sam, like why is me convince me that he can stay and he could be an impact player, but that pick has to go. Tying to our last two topics from at bias dubs fan, assuming either Beal or Pascal Siakam become available and request to trade this summer. Would you rather trade Wiseman in a package for Pascal Siakam or the Minnesota pick in a package for Beal? 
I feel like if you can acquire either for just one of them, you do it. You just you don't even think twice, right? Yeah, you don't even you don't even think once. Now, maybe if if maybe that Minnesota pick does convey this year, and you have the fourth pick, like Sam, what what if you have the fourth pick and Kaminga, who's a wing, right? Who's probably going to be more ready to play than than Wiseman was this year. Like, do you would you rather have Kaminga and Wiseman? Like, maybe that's a question that you would have, right? And then it's and then it's versus like Siakam or Beal. But again, like, I don't think you're getting Beal for freaking one of those guys. Like, it's not happening. It's not. It's just not. <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah, I think I think the the issue the Warriors are running into is everyone wants both of them for their star, right? So As they should. Are you willing to trade both for Siakam or both for uh, Beal? I feel more comfortable doing it for Beal. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Um, if you can get either of those players for just one of the assets, you do it. And we're back to calling Bob Myers the swindle god and everything's good again. It just it just seems really hard to imagine a scenario in which both uh, – you, you don't have to trade both. Maybe this is why they're trying to lose and be the 10 seed because if that pick is like the 11th or 12th pick, that's – it's a solid asset. It's not a great, it, you know, it's not the same as the Wolves pick, but it's like, it's more attractive than trading a pick that might convey at 25. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move this. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Good. I was going to say toss and Jordan pool. <laughs> Keep it going. All right. From at crack two, three, based on what you've seen this season, how long do you think it will be before Wiseman is a better all around player for the Warriors than Marquise Chris? it's crazy that Marquise Chris is as young as he is and hopefully he'll be back on the Warriors again 23 yeah and and Wiseman's going to be 20 here coming up based on what I've seen though James Wiseman should be better than Marquise Chris was like by next season just he should be he's longer um he he's a he's just as good of a shooter right even though both guys are like kind of mediocre but they're still figuring it out um Chris is just so much smaller and less of a kind of an impact player on the boards, even though he's, he got kind of smarter at the end of last season. You would like to think that James Wiseman should get there at some point in his career. Um, I think he should be better. Like he should be better. And I think that's kind of the problem, right? That's kind of the problem where you're not seeing the development that you're seeing from even Marquise Chris last season with James Wiseman. So I don't know, like, is that a James Wiseman problem? Like at some point you got to say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr, system, system, system. But at some point, it's like, well, Wiseman, you got to show a little bit, right? You can't be depressed. You can't be a sad boy every single basketball game. Every single basketball game, the guy's depressed. Like, at some point, like, you go out there, play basketball, you know, not, kind of no excuses kind of thing. You know, uh, that's kind of how I feel about Wiseman. I'm I'm ready to give him as much time as he needs just because I, I kind of feel for the kid. But uh, it's it's hard to see him depressed. And I, and I think that's the worst part of watching Wiseman nowadays. I think people sometimes think when we're criticizing Kerr's development, we're saying Wiseman has uh, no flaws, has no problems in it. That's not what we're saying. It's, it's both. It's just that the Warriors should be smarter to control the coaching aspect of it. Like the fact that James Wiseman is getting down on himself and kind of becoming uh, you know, it's, it is a project like that's going to happen. But the, the fact that the Warriors are, making it harder on him is something that shouldn't happen. Yeah, it does feel like that. It does feel like they are making it harder on him for, for some weird reason. Um, just, just pick and roll, man. It's, it's really the easiest playing basketball. Like you, how often you play pickup or you play like with your boys and it's just, it's just pick and roll because everybody knows how to run pick and roll. Like an idiot 
can freaking run pick and roll. Just, just run a pick and roll, man. Just run 80 pick and rolls a game. Like, like I don't need to see Wiseman get the ball back to the basket, then take a dribble out to a three-point line, pass it, set a screen, and I like, do all this weird shit, and then it just ends up being like a freaking Andrew Wiggins step-back mid-range jump shot. Like, we don't need that. Nobody needs that. Nobody right. needs that. <laughs> all right, next question um, from Dulo Twist. Is there a cold war between Myers and Kerr? Myers picked ISO scores in Poole, Wiseman, and Pascal the last two years. Kerr clearly doesn't want to play them and consistently looks visibly frustrated with them. Did Myers force Kerr to play Poole and Wiseman oh. more after the break? Now, this is an interesting this question. Is a great question. Shout out to the listeners for bringing their A game. Yeah, this is great. I, I feel like you should take, like, I feel like you should start with this one, Sam. This is an incredible, I think so this is a great take. This is something we've been discussing all year. A uh, friend of the show, Ethan Strauss, even confirmed it, that there's somewhat of a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. The front office has wanted them to be a little more modern, a little more Maury ball, kind of looking at acquiring talent first, figure out the system second, which is how front offices should operate. There's only a finite amount of talent out there, right? Um, Steve Kerr is, for better or worse, stubborn with his system. and he prefers safe players who make the extra pass and don't dribble instead of guys who are looking to get their own. And it's a little bit of a, a chasm. Do you think he was forced to play guys more after the all-star break? Absolutely. I think, he was, <laughs> yes. I think there was a, I think there was a meeting where they, and I don't think, you know, I'm not saying it was like, you know, like Bob was, you know, slapping the table and screaming and, you know, people were crying and stuff like that. Like, I just think there was a a meeting where they're like, you you have to give these guys more run. You can't like, you know, we have to see what we have here because this isn't like, this isn't working. Like Brad Wanamaker playing all these minutes, like, what is it doing? You know, trading Wanamaker reminded me of like Billy Bean trading guys purely because his coach wouldn't listen to him. Just I, like it's it's true. Like it just it, although although someone did point out that uh, that Carlos Pena was pretty good at baseball. Brett Wanamaker is not. He was fair. It's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But um, but I guess the question, Sam, is 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 it Bob Myers though? Like, is it Bob Myers that's telling? Like, I don't think it's Bob Myers. Like, I think I think it's Lakeup. Like, I think yeah. it's the Lakeups that are kind of like, hey, you need to play this guy. I think it's the Lakeups that are like Jordan Poole is good. Like, he should be playing. Um. Same with Wiseman. I don't know about Pascal. He is another ISO player that I think, like, I think Steve Kerr's right. He probably isn't an NBA player, um, and he shouldn't be out there. But, like, I think that, that's the, kind of the disconnect, right? Like, I think the Lakers want to play the guys that they drafted. They might be right. Like, Jordan Poole might actually be a very good NBA player. James Wiseman, same thing. But if you're not using those guys correctly, which I could tell you, like, probably Kirk isn't feeling that he – oh, sorry. The, Kirk's probably not feeling that – they're being used correctly. Like, I think they might be right. So I think that's where this kind of comes in. That's a great question. It's something to monitor too, for the next 20 games of development of tanking this season. Definitely. I'm going to be thinking about it now. Every time something goes on. Okay. <laughs> what Kirk um, is thinking about. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, from Moo Taib. I, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Hmm. Ethan said the local media is soft on Kerr. Why are local media such Kerr shills and apologists? Even Sam is carrying water for Kerr now. What? This must be your boy. (laughs) Since what? No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, 
you want I me to take this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have theories, but you go first. Okay. Um, you know, I Steve Kerr has great relationships with everyone. Like I, I cover the team um for like fix six years, I think. And and Steve Kerr is like the best at press conferences. He when he first joined, when he first started coaching the team, like he had jokes, he was smiling, he was answering every question in depth for the first, I think, like two seasons of of now they won a lot, so he was always in a good mood. Um, but then you could kind of see the differences when KD joined. He kind of stopped giving a shit at press conferences, not as much smiling. But I also think like he, he's a, he's genuinely a good dude. He makes a lot of jokes. He is a champion. Like they have won three titles, so it is kind of hard. Um, it is kind of hard to criticize the guy if you're media. And then I think the last part, Sam, is probably because it's the connections, right? Like. If you start, if you start criticizing the guy, you 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 lose kind of the ability to figure out what's going on. You lose your quote unquote sources. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. I think. I would agree. I think it's um, he's earned a level of trust. He also knows how to play the game better than anyone I've seen locally. So there's that. I mean, I'm going to be curious to see when things start turn if things start turning to a negative direction with clay back, where does the uh, pressure come from? Right. But we're not there yet. So let's keep this moving. Um, from, I don't know how to pronounce this. Shuli uh, Lears, I apologize for butchering your Twitter handle. Good enough for me. Why are you so upset at the Warriors getting the playoffs as an eight seed and likely playing the jazz out of the top five in the West jazz would be the best matchup. That's actually true. <laughs> I think out of the top five, te- like, okay, so it's LA, it's the Clippers, it's the Lakers, it's the Nuggets. It's, well, I guess, did you put Portland in there? Uh, Utah is fourth. So is the fifth Portland or am I missing the teams? Oh, Phoenix. Um, so I, it's actually true, right? Like Utah's probably the best matchup. I still think the Warriors lose that series, like in five, six, probably. But that is probably the easiest just matchup. Just so much shooting. Utah has so much shooting. It's, but that's the problem, yeah, I think, yeah. in, the, in the post. You know, and... But Gobert is not a guy that's going to dominate, although he had like a 25-25 game against them, but it's not like it's Jokic, right? I keep thinking about that game. The game the Warriors won against the Jazz, they took 50, like 12 or 13 less threes. The Warriors happened to shoot 55% they just made a three. lot. Yeah, yeah, it's like I you can count on Steph to have two games in a series where he's probably going to shoot them to a victory. It's very hard to beat a team when Steph goes like 10 for 15 from three. You know, something dumb like that, right? But you're all the other games where he's a little more average from three, like they're just going to get stomped unless Wiggins is like eight for nine or something. So anyway, I don't think that's wrong. Obviously the LA teams, if healthy are the worst matchup, I wouldn't want to deal with either of them if they're healthy. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like they, you know, the lower the Warriors finish, the better it is for their draft pick. So I think it's a fair point. I think it's more not seeing a direction for the plan. That's really getting the issue. Not I, anything I to do with uh, with matchups for the playoffs. I do like we don't talk about matchups for the playoffs anymore. This is not what we do <laughs> anymore. That's not we what just, this. That's not what this pod's about. <laughs> <laughs> like really, like it's it's. it's we'll it's we'll get into that when we get closer. I feel yeah. like I feel like it's it's pointless to talk about playoff matchups when we still got twenty five games to go and like they could fluctuate from the six to the twelve seed given on how any week goes. You know, like. Like when Steph comes back, they win four in a row. Like they're they're back in. All of a sudden, I mean? we're like, talking about them versus Phoenix. You know, yeah. Like so, can okay. Last question, and then 
for the premium subscribers, we have a second podcast with uh, the Discord questions. For those of you who don't subscribe and want to hear that, it's not only 99 cents the first month. From Josh R5X, can this team compete next year with Wiseman starting at center? No. <laughs> Uh, no. Um, and, and when you say compete, I'm assuming championship contention. So no, uh, it, it's just Rudy Gobert is like on the fringe of a guy. That's right. Like a starting center that, that, um, uh, on a championship contending team, I think it's like, yeah, Utah, I could see them winning a championship and Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gobert is freaking good. Like he is a defensive genius and, you know, good hands, really smart player. I mean, good enough hands um, and just good enough on offense where he can score 20 points a game if you don't have a center, right? Is James Wiseman that guy next season? No. Not really his fault, but just no. <laughs> so Anthony Davis wasn't a freaking center. It wasn't a, what is it, a championship center until last season. So you know, unless you tell me that they're getting KD again, I would say no. I think they can win with him starting. I don't think they can win with him having a big role. And I think that's the difference. If you're telling me he's playing 20-ish minutes a game, and is just doing a better job of what he's doing this year, sure. If you're counting on him to be Anthony Davis, you're going to be very disappointed, If at least next year. So we'll end it there. We'll be back after the Bulls game Monday night.